audio is up. Let's get the backup video going. Would you please not sit your butt on a comic book specifically? I just completely collapsed. But her butt was on the comic, Lauren. Do you not see the issue? Do you not see how that could be a problem? Recording. And theoretically, momentarily, we are live! Hello, everyone, and welcome to our new home. Uh, we will be broadcasting from Instagram uh, now instead of uh, Bird App, because Bird App is a flaming trash pile of terrible. And it brings me great depression that a account that I've had for, God, coming up on, I think, 10 years and have cultivated and been active on that entire time and created amazing friendships. I'm friends with one of the creators of The Boys, one of my favorite artists of all times. I'm friends with him. Of course, we're friends with, that's Derek Robertson. We're friends with Jimmy and Amanda because of Twitter. We're, we, we adore Gail Simone, Tom Taylor, Colin Bunn, all of these amazing creators. We've interacted with Tim Seeley on Twitter. And uh, hey, this sucks. It, that, that, it sucks. You say that, but I was never really on it. <laughs> so for me, it's... Sucks for me. Uh, it is super early on a Sunday morning, we are well aware. Mm -hmm. Just because the clock said it's, you know, an hour earlier doesn't mean our 40-year-old, well, my 40-year-old body, someone who's not 40 yet at all, nowhere near. One more year. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were both awake at like... I think about 5 a.m. and both just sort of stared at each other like, so. <laughs> you awake? You, you, I'm awake. Are you awake? Yeah. Uh, you, you had said something like, oh, I thought you were going to sleep in. And I'm like, well, I slept until 6, and my body assumes it's 7. Mm. We went to bed at our normal time and gained an hour, so I guess I technically slept in. Okay. Something I need to talk to you about. Uh, something sad. Uh, Did you know that The Witcher is going away. It's not The Witcher. Yes. Just the person that, that made, made The Witcher. Yeah, yeah. I know. He can't be spread so thin. He, so thin? Got, uh, so thin? You know, it's our fault. It's our for fault. For seeing him yes. being so great yes. in both these roles. Yes. And he's like, I gotta go take care of the other role right I now. mean, he is fantastic as Superman. Uh-huh. And there have been lots of, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there have been lots of big updates about the world of Superman in the DC animated universe, or DC uh, cinematic universe, pardon me. So yes, Henry Cavill appears to be set to reprise his role as Kal-El, which honestly, really good character selection, I gotta say. I love him as Superman, especially when he's allowed to be Superman and not, you know, of dark brooding Superman, which doesn't make any sense at all because there's already a dark brooding character on the Justice League. You don't need three of them, so that, that I, it's fine. But I am distraught that The Witcher is losing. This is the equivalent of Harley Quinn losing Margot Robbie. This is the equivalent of Deadpool losing Ryan Reynolds. Like, the reason why we have The Witcher mm -hmm. is because Henry Cavill was like, just give me this role and I will make it a god role. And he did. And now I'm sad because what the hell is a Liam Hemsworth? I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> so we do get one more season of Henry Cavill's Witcher and then 
his version of Witcher will be replaced, replaced by Liam Helmsworth. Now, how are they going to do it? I think he's just like, going Like, they just, uh, kind of like with uh, different episodes, like sitcoms in the past oh, or yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah, no, no, this is the Witcher. All of a sudden, like, the new season, person, that's and the nobody talks about it. <laughs> like, somebody would say, Geralt, you look like you lost weight, and then we'll be like, wah, 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 and that's going to be the entirety of it. Like, that's really going to be it. And that's kind of sad. Like, that's even more sad. Like, what are we going to do about this? We'll make a joke and forget we even bothered. Oh, okay. Ooh! She hissed at you. She hissed at you. We tried explaining things. Yeah. I gotta put all that stuff away. I gotta put it in tubs. Barbara Gordon is an annoyed little cat. Um. So, yeah. I mean, the big news this week, more than anything, is that Twitter is an absolute shit show. Everyone is deactivating their accounts. <laughs> Just throw her out of the room. There's no way that... There is no way she's not going to bother you again. I guarantee you it's going to happen in five minutes, if not less. All right. All right. It is It is 4.49. Uh, so four minutes and 49 seconds. Let's see how long it goes before you have to go bother her. I'm um, trying to think. That, what? I still don't need to worry. All right, so yes. Also, uh, so we talked about Henry Cavill, we talked about Twitter. Uh, I thought there was something else. Yes, the 90s variants are uh, here. Yes. DC Comics has finally done something right. And by finally, I mean there are picks of the week every other fucking week, so maybe I'm just being ridiculous. But DC Comics decided to... Let me see if I can grab a DC book real quick. Just showcase these. They're in every DC comic. So these are the 90s variants that they announced would be happening. And they're all homages to famous 90s covers. Uh, we had planned, of course, I'm getting the books that we've subbed to. So I'll be getting Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman. Um, I think there's a Batman. There's I Am Batman, but I'm not getting that one. I'm not on Action Comics. Definitely Superman, Son of Kal-El. I might even get some that were not subbed to. Like the Detective Comics, the Bane Breaking Batman's Back homage. The Catwoman 49, which is the homage to Catwoman 1. But, that's not the big stuff. The big stuff is the 90s Chromium cover variants, which is Batman, which I'm definitely getting. Uh, Batman Incorporated are probably not going to get. Wildcats, I'm absolutely getting Wildcats number 1 Chromium uh, cover. And probably Justice Society is a new number 1, and it's a Chromium cover. But all of that doesn't matter. Because I, I already have the first one. Released this week, the Joker, the man who stopped laughing. Oh my god, look at it shimmer. Look oh, at it shimmer. Blinding. Blinded by the light. <laughs> look at it go. Oh my god. This is the 90s embossed chromium cover throwback. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to get as many of these throwback covers as we can. We're going to put them in frames and put them behind the read pot. All right, we might not do that, but these are definitely going on my walls. It's chromium, and it's embossed. Mm. I might. Doesn't mean I'm not happy about this. <laughs> so, funny story, and then we'll get to the reviews. I saw this at our comic shop, and I was like, no, I gotta have that. It's, it wasn't super expensive. It was only about 12 bucks, and I got a discount on it. Um, for being a sub. So it ended up costing us like $3 after it was all said and done, which is fine. I still would have paid the $12.99 for it just because it's also a 1 in 25 variant. All these things, maybe a 1 in 10 variant, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. 
But here's the funny thing about what happened at the comic book store this week. They had a Hulk 181. Now, Hulk 181, if you're unfamiliar or uneducated, it's fine. Um, it is the first appearance of Wolverine. It is one of the Holy Grail comics in all of comicdom. First appearance of Spider-Man, Holy Grail. Obviously, Action Comics number one is the actual Holy Grail. Uh, Detective Comics 27, that might be another actual Holy Grail, depending on how you look at it. But Hulk 181 is the first appearance of Wolverine. So, back when I was running comic book stores, I sold a couple of Gem Mint, nine, what would be 9.2, 9.0 copies of Hulk 181, and we sold them for like $1,502,000, and that was about 10, 15 years ago. This was a very beat up, torn to shit copy that was CGC press graded at a 1.8. So I looked up at it and I went, God, it's only a 1.8, it should be in the realm of affordability. And I was right. It is in the realm of affordability, mm. but it is by no means affordable. And I'll be honest with you. Elle, do you remember how much they told us that 1.8 was was selling for? What they were What selling? they wanted to sell it for, yeah. Yeah, 2500 2300 $2,300. $2,300 for a 1.8. That means the book is super damaged. There's pages probably missing. There's, or coupons are probably missing. Things like that. Like, our first appearance as a Tana has a coupon missing, so we only paid about 300 for it when we probably should have paid about 1500 But that's okay. I want a, a beat-up copy like that. But to know that that book at a 1.8 is still probably going to sell for $2,300, or, I don't know, say an entire collection of quarters if somebody was doing something like collecting quarters for 15 to 20 years. At any rate... Um, how do you like does that make you feel good about the state of comics or do you think does it matter to you like you don't collect comics for the value so no i yeah so none of this means anything to me that's <laughs> I don't, fine. I don't yeah, care. that's okay that's okay i don't really see the point in getting them graded in such such well, unless unless you know you as an individual just want to know the value of it or whatever. Like, you've made a point about uh, some of your comics already that you're like, well, I never plan on reading this again. Right. Um, but I want to keep it. Yeah. And might as well. Right. Then I look at how much it costs to do that, and I say, fuck it. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they, they tend to cost between, you know, like, two to three hundred dollars to get a book, to, to sometimes to get a book graded. But sometimes getting books rated is very inexpensive. I'm going to look into it in the next couple of weeks because we do have some books that I would like to get graded, like the first appearance of Zatanna, because we're never going to take it out of its case. It'll be pressed. It'll be sealed. First appearance of Punisher, for sure. First appearance of Gwen Stacy, by the way. It is 1045, so you lasted entirely five minutes before you got mad at her. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Okay. I know, <laughs> I know, but you would also, I mean, are you... I, I'm not going to spend that amount of money to find that out when I could use that money for things I care about more. Like buying more comics. That, I don't know, get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Something that will spark joy. Spark a joy. I don't want, I don't care. And, and I was... I plan on selling it. So I was never of the mindset that I needed books graded at all, until I until I started seeing that it's just a better way to keep them safe. And well, I said, "That's the case. There's other routes to just keeping them safe." Yes, right? and, yes, but there's nothing. There's nothing like that's that's 
airtight seal that I know of. Well, then, if it, it comes down to that, I'm sure people can figure out how to just do that at home. Right? No? How do you airtight seal a plastic thing? And how do you vacuum seal that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it has the little plug in the back, right? Or it has the lid on the top. Yeah. How do you do that with a hard plastic? I don't case? know. I'm just saying, <laughs> there's, there's the technology there. <laughs> I would think <laughs> you have some way to do it, right? At, at home, comic ceiling. I would. You just lacquer it. At this point, <laughs> we're really gonna get into you know we're concerned about the storage. Uh, right. I think what we're Listen, listen, the it, comic boxes are fine. They are fine. I might need a couple of the... The I, foundation is right there. Okay, you okay. see the bottom okay, row? Okay, okay. The bottom boxes do need to get replaced. The fronts are crushing. Did you pick... It's not supposed to go five up without some better stability in between the rows. I, buying wooden versions of comic storage is not difficult. <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> now that I feel terrible about myself, it's time to review some comics where I can make fun of L. Let's talk about things we're going to add to the job. Yeah, I've got a short box over here that I'm bagging and boarding in comics, so I've got to add another short box to this menagerie. We, we are if going. If anybody wants to share different ideas of comic books. No, because it's just going to be expensive. Fiddle back. No, you can't. You can't even figure out how to vacuum seal a comic book. What do you have on your read? I am literally just thought about doing that. Give me some time, I can look into it. <laughs> In the meantime. No particular order. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of those weeks. <laughs> throw her out! Just what do you do? She's just like going back and forth. She's like, throw her out and then close the door and put JR and, and uh, oh, by the way, let me show you here. Toss JR over here. So this is JR. We found him at the Christmas tree store. It is a small cat paperweight that is used to keep doors closed so cats can't break in. It's true. We call him JR because he looks like a small version of uh, a couple of our orange cats. Yeah. All right, what do you got on your to read pile, <laughs> Ella Strange? All right, so no particular. In no particular I'm not place to go. I'm quite sure of who my picture would go with. I know who it is. <laughs> First. First up, we have Poison Ivy. This is issue six. This was supposed to be issue six of six, but the uh, it was ordered longer. Um, and this is, of course, by uh, G. Willow Wilson. And um, you've been enjoying it. How was this issue? Yeah. Um, just to remind you, Pamela is basically just self-destructing, pretty much, um, and taking humanity with her. Uh, and she's been spreading these spores that are deadly. Everywhere she goes, she's trying to spread them as quickly and efficiently as possible, uh, and all the while, while it's killing her. Mm. Um, but her body is able to fight off uh, the effects um, much longer. Uh, but you can see where it's just wear and tear on her at this point. Um, this whole time, she wasn't sure, you know, what it was. She could feel that somebody was following her, that something was going on. Um, as of last issue, we finally uh, find out who it is. Uh, it is Dr. Jason uh, Libro, the individual that had created her. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
did you come to, uh, to face-to-face uh, in this issue and, you know, duel it out? And, but the way it ends up, or so much both, you already saw it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so messed up. But the way she describes it, it it's just, it's almost poetry in a way that, you know, and, and the way you see her doing it, and it just, the, the artwork's perfectly with it. Uh, and it just, the part that really gets me is the narrating of her writing a letter to Harley. Yeah. Uh, all this time, we're, we're, we're reading it, we're reading it, we're reading it, and now the letter has gotten to her. Yeah. Has gotten to Harley. Uh, so, a lot of things going on. Lots and lots have happened. I am glad it's being extended, because if you were to stop there, I would go insane. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it is a heavy issue, very heavy. Will, and like it just Willow Wilson like, is we're not such ready a tremendous stop. writer. She is so good yeah. at this. I've I've been enjoying her work for years, and I'm glad you found a book that you were able to uh, read some of her work on. I I really enjoy her. Oh yeah, amazing. Next up, we have just the regular cover, the Feh cover of Joker, the man who stopped laughing. I haven't read this issue yet. I wanted to, but I didn't get enough time. Mm-hmm. So tell us, Elle, how was issue two of the man who stopped laughing? I really don't want to ruin it too much. Right? No, go ahead. Or, it's fine. Okay. I mean, uh, we always try and be spoiler-free, so. I don't know if I can do that. Oh, my bad. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so apparently there are two Jokers. Well, Did you know? Is there? What is there? Is there two So this, like, if, if I can interject just for a little bit, this has a lot to do with what's go, what happened in that Three Jokers story. I had a feeling, and I didn't read that. No, so well, no I, one should have. I think that you will probably see more with so here's this. T- I, like, not have read it, I feel like there is something there, yeah. So here's Three Jokers in a nutshell, okay? Okay. The very elder Joker, the oldest Joker is what we would consider the Jack Nicholas Joker. All right, or Jack Nicholson. I always get those. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So he has been going around Gotham. He is the oldest version of this type of character. And he releases the Joker gas, not because he's trying to kill people, but because he's trying to recreate other Jokers. Mm-hmm. And over time, he's done this a few times, but in that particular storyline, there were three total. And one was the Jack, and the other one was the Joker that ki- that paralyzed uh, Barbara Gordon, and you know, was sort of this had this weird elongated face and nose. You remember him? Mm-hmm. And then the last one that was in the group was the most recent Joker with the uh, well, the similar haircut that I have from the Greg Capullo, Scott Snyder run. You know, the New Fifty Two run. Mm-hmm. So what I think 
is happening, because I, I know Matthew Rosenberg's writing now and I love it, I think he's trying to get people to recognize that that story happened and it's actually depending on what version of book you're reading in canon. Because even though it was Black Label, which means it's not in canon, this doesn't have anything to do because, you know, Infinite Frontier and all this other shit. So I think, okay. I think they're both jokers. Like, for real. So they're trying to make it as common as the storyline with Barbara getting shot. Sort too. of. Like, it, it's been retold. Everything's been retold, uh, yeah. And in some storylines, it never even happened. Right. <laughs> in some uh, stories, Oracle exists with or without that backstory. <laughs> I mean, Backstory. Did you enjoy the issue? I was going to say, the one thing I did not like yes. uh, was the balancing of the time. Uh, just through flipping, you probably yeah, saw, saw the, the time. Yeah. And at first, I was like, okay, this is cool. But it was balancing so much, and the way it was balancing, you had to really pay attention to the time and then where you're at. Right. And then kind of like make the timeline yourself and realize who's doing what at what time. Yeah. I'm sorry, my brain can't keep it. <laughs> I'm just not an individual that can. Um, it's not the writer's fault. <laughs> it's not any of the creator's fault. <laughs> it's my brain. <laughs> my brain, she don't work so good. <laughs> I think if I had somebody make a nice collage for me, <laughs> or if I just simply go back and, like, a little more pass through, I think I, I'd do a lot better. Um, <laughs> but I will say that I do appreciate the fact that uh, Jason Todd yes. is in this story. So, so interesting side note. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see it. The Joker that got shot. That's we'll call him Joker Two. Mm -hmm. um, I believe Joker Two. I think they have different eyes. So the real Joker would be the one who has two different colored eyes. But I think they both have two different colored eyes. So, so Hollywood Joker absolutely has two different colored eyes. You know, one's red and one's green. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to see if Shot in Head Joker has two different colored eyes. He does. All right, never mind. So in Batman continuity, uh, at the end of the the uh, Joker War, um, he, Harley Quinn shoots him in the head, shoots him in the eye, and plucks his eye out. Basically, Joker survives because, of course. Mm. But. Now Joker has two different colored eyes. So I was trying to see if they were like giving us like a heads up that the real Joker has the same colored eyes. Oh, but, like see if I'm going to catch on. Right, right but away. both of them have yeah. one red eye and one green eye. So, Marr! you got me this round, Matthew Rosenberg. Marr! What else you got for us? Uh, I wonder if like that was in his head. Like, oh, 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 I assure you. Oh, no, no, make sure the other guy has two different colors. You got it, you got, we got to do it this Maybe way. Think that or some dork out there. <laughs> There's going to be a number of nerds that are going to be, hold on a second, let me get to the bottom of it. Oh, yes, I can see here. <laughs> Fuck you! That's <laughs> okay. What else you got? Oh, it's your pick of the week. Golden Rage! This is issue three or issue four? Oh, uh, yeah. It, so it's issue four. Here we go. <laughs> I love this book. I hope you're ready. I, 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 I love it. I love the Golden Girls feel. And uh, it's, 
but uh, just to also remind you real quick about what's going on, uh, this we're basically in uh, a world where uh, we have tossed away women that are no longer of use to society. Yeah, basically, use of to society, uh, and it's some kind of organization or something that is involved. Well. Uh, Jay is actually much younger. She um, started going through menopause early, uh, and so she is there. Uh, she's not the only younger woman there either. Uh, and um, but they do feel they do find out something about Jay. Jay is the newest young woman that's mm -hmm. arrived, uh, and they've already been questioning things. Some. Some individuals are like, you know, I don't trust her. We don't know enough about her. Well, they find out she's actually connected to those that have put them there. Ah. So we are going to find a lot more about what's going on. Uh, in fact, uh, in this issue, uh, something huge happens. Mm -hmm. uh, we are actually finding out that Jay has insider information that could possibly save their lives. Um and it's just it's so crazy that we're actually going to kind of like start talking about like how they got there yeah like we're on issue four but we haven't really talked about like yeah you're here you know we just kind of dealt with the situation like here we are in the, on the island and but doesn't that what about the process of right, getting right, right. here like i always kind of question like it, did you guys just all know like this is where you're supposed to go when you're tired, like your alarm goes off, and you're like, okay, you got, well, a, you, got a, you got a thing in your hand, you, and when it turns red, it's like the owl shows up from Hogwarts with that little note. He's like, set to go. I think it's more, <laughs> I think it's more Logan's Run than Hogwarts. Okay, okay. But I don't remember. I so this this is a great this is a great opportunity for me to mention that uh -huh. Chrissy Williams, the writer of Golden Rage, uh, we uh, tagged her in our recent uh, review where you expressed your undying love for this book yeah. on Twitter. And she responded, and, you know, she actually watched the show, and she responded to the show, and I was talking about, I think there's a lot more to this book. I don't think it's just about, you know, women trying to survive on an island. I think it's about... Oh, you know. And no. she agreed. She's like, I'm glad you're, this book is giving you that kind of conversation. She didn't... And, and to her credit now, mm -hmm. she didn't confirm anything I said. She did not say, yeah, that's absolutely it. You guys have got the point. Yeah. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Great artists create art. They put it into the world, and people can interpret it however they damn well please, and it might not be anywhere near. Yeah. I am loving this book. Yeah, I think it's great. I think, you know, obviously there's much more to it than simply, you know, women trying to, to survive. on an island, they, yeah. It brings up a lot of questions, a lot of issues mm -hmm. uh, in society, and uh, it's insane. Like, I, I just... I'm very excited about this particular issue because now we're starting to get into it and that's, a little bit more. That's the goodness needed, of the book. Yeah, too. but yeah. we did need to get a feeling of them being on the island. Of course. Like what it is that they've been going through. And I feel like the, the fact that we were given that time to kind of learn about them before starting to answer those questions, yeah. I think was a really great idea. I think it helped me enjoy the book more it speaks to it speaks to how well written it is that you can go four issues into a series well technically three issues into a series without any backstory or understanding whatsoever yeah. and it's dynamite 
And I have a book on my read pile that's almost identical to that as well, only it's seven issues in. And it doesn't necessarily matter. If the story works the way it works, then who cares? It's perfect the way it is. Mm-hmm. Please continue. This reminds you after you order my read pile. Yeah. It definitely shows how different people will react in situations like they are uh, when the world changes or uh, things like this happen. Um, It's just, you're starting to see how some women probably just accept it and then others are just like, no, 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 no. No, I I will fight this. Yeah, Yeah. and you're seeing that, especially, I I feel, with uh, the Red Hats, there's a huge secret that they have and you're like, Okay, so you've been holding this from everybody, but you could have helped us so much. <laughs> so, gee, I wonder who the red hats are supposed to represent in this society. <laughs> mm. So I just, yeah, it was, it was a hard issue. Yeah, but it was great. It was wonderful. It was definitely the classic issue four feeling. <laughs> so, I, I think it was wonderful. Yep. Uh, so speaking of issue four, yes. Actually, the last issue Aww. of this part. Oh. <laughs> issue 404, this is Count Crowley, um, Amateur uh, Midnight Monster Hunter. I think that's the full name, but this is yes. our second tour with Count Crowley. So this is actually Volume 2. Yes. There's already going to be a Volume 3. You're excited about yes, that? Yes, of, okay. of, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, I wish I had more control to maybe just wait and get everything binded. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, <laughs> I've actually reduced my number of, like, spooky time books kind of thing mm-hmm. um, significantly. So, you know, I'm excited to concentrate more on books like this. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... <clears throat> Uh, Jerry is <laughs> determined. <laughs> um, Did you eat pancakes that were too dry? <laughs> now I gotta land the plane. <laughs> Jerry is determined to save Steve. He's the the guy that she was supposedly gonna try to kill. The werewolf guy and decided to basically uh, help him. She believes that there is a way to help him get better. We're gonna make it better. Uh, we're gonna make it better. And there's this old man, Count Crowley, that she goes and she visits all the time and, and gets all these little tips. And he's just like, look, you can't save them. This is not what your job is. Uh, but she she's going to try her darndest. But unfortunately, the entire time, uh, she's got this pesky vampire that's <laughs> bothering them. Don't you just hate that? I just, I just hate it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's really not things go bad uh, but you you see that Jerry has to face the fact that she needs to either be a monster hunter mm-hmm. or she's going to concentrate on trying to help I mean it's you can't be both, both right uh, so I think you know she's going to have to concentrate on this in the next volume you know where is it that she's going what path is she going to take so very interesting. Cool. Yeah. I I I kind of had that feeling a little bit reading this. Like I, as soon as she started mentioning about wanting to heal instead and everything, it's like does it heal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but 
monsters and yeah. then kill the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Shit. I mean, is that always what but we, try, we try to help the good monsters? The, who is she to determine who's the good? Next up, the Onis. The Onis. Oh, the ones. That's a throwback joke to, uh, oh God, what is the name of the movie? Um, the One Hit Wonders movie. I think it's called The Wonders. It was. It had Tom Hanks and it was about a, uh, they, the song they made was so good. It sounded like it was from the 60s. So they started, Anyway, they called themselves The Wonders and it was spelled one, O-E-N. And at one point, uh, they're being announced for the first time and they're calling themselves the Wonders with O E N, Wonders, and the guy announces them as the O'Neaters. And that is a super deep cut of a one line joke from a movie that happened 30 years ago that almost nobody watching this will have any idea what I'm talking about. But when I see the ones, I think the O'Neaters. Oh, <laughs> I have a show on the internet. People care about my opinions. All right, fine. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, <laughs> my name's Indus. Yeah. What happened to the issue? You damaged. That'll never be worth a million dollars. Look at that. It's, I read it. I'm sorry. God. How, we how was it? have uh, basically many of the ones over time. Uh, we are introduced to different characters. Uh, they some hold uh, powers in some way. Uh, others no longer do. At, at some point in their life, they, they used to be the one. Uh, and so we're being introduced to each uh, in particular one. While uh, one guy, my name is Wilson, uh, is in charge of finding all of these individuals and putting them into a team because there's a prophecy about that they need to take care of and they need to do it together. Um, do you want to know what that is? Tell me. Well, the spawn of Satan was just born. <laughs> Always happens. Uh, you're, you're having a good day. Everything's so, the sun is shining. Oh, the Antichrist. Oh. I immediately, and yes, they jump into talking about it. Uh, I have read, I mean, I have watched The Baby. The Baby is very good. <laughs> and immediately they go into discussion about this. Mm. What, do you, what do you expect us to do about a baby? Well, it's, that it's, is it's the, it's the Are you telling you, you us would, to kill you would have to. a baby? One would, one would suspect killing a baby is well, on, <laughs> on the agenda, yes. Mixed feelings all about, but in the end they decide they are going to take the wait and see Method. route. Right. We get a time jump. It wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. I may have spoiled a little bit, but I think you need to know this to really get on board because okay. I read a little bit about it just briefly online, and I did not really get the feel of this as, as good as it is by that. So, I mean, we all need to, to know really what this comic's about, and I, I really like it. Right. <laughs> I I think it's great, you know, you got to get all these individuals together. I don't know exactly what being the one really is. Well, it's difficult. You know, I can but, tell you from experience. <laughs> but I, if we do or don't explain it, you know, we, we, they still have to uh, 
deal with the fact that the whole group doesn't agree with things that are going on uh, and the things that they need to do and you know don't know are they going to ever be able to come together and be able to fix the world again <laughs> or I don't know it's that those last two last, pages that's a pretty good last page yeah pretty good yeah pretty good yeah I like it <laughs> so tell everybody your pick of the week oh what are the odds pick of the week is golden <laughs> rage issue four yes <laughs> it is it's not surprising so what about, are you ready? Are you prepared? Oh, that's going to be hard. You can actually introduce your reader. Hey, Rick. What do you have on your repile? The repile. The repile. Thank you. On your repile. On your the repile. On your the repile. There we go. Hi, everybody. Uh, I don't think I ever properly introduced myself, if you're just now catching it. I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman, and this is the original Angry Nerd Girl herself, Ella Strange, but we've been doing this for three years now. Where the hell have you been? Let's get started. Now, before I get started, I promise you, this is a no bad book week for me. Every single issue on my book is pick of the week worthy. I have nothing bad to say about any of these. Um... Some books were just gooder than others. I don't I don't know. Like we're talking about like 98, 99, 100. Every single one of these books is amazing. And we're going to start with uh, the the Book of Honor, we'll say the first place book is Knight of the Ghoul. This is technically issue 2, but it's really issue 3 and 4. Um I'm I'm really loving these Comicsology original. Uh, they're technically I guess reprints because they come out as digital firsts and then we get the uh, the bounded versions of it. But for four ninety nine, you get essentially two comic books. This, of course, from Scott Snyder uh, and uh, France, uh, Francisco Francavella. And first of all, just to start with, that is one of the coolest damn covers I have ever seen. Like this is an instant classic cover, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the ghoul coming outside of this dead body. So, as it is in most Scott Snyder books, he does not give you a lot of wiggle room. He gives you, here's the story. No, this is really what's happening. I, this reminds me a lot of witches in many ways, mm -hmm. where you just accept the reality of the situation. And if you don't want to accept it, Scott Snyder simply doesn't care. This is what's up. Deal or don't deal. Mm -hmm. um, we learn more about what the ghoul actually is and what's going on in that nursing home. We get confirmation about who the villain is. We get great scenes. Again, so this book is being told in two formats. In what's currently happening and then we're watching the the film reel that the director made to try and tell people that the ghoul was real um, and it is just full of just absolutely dynamite excellent spooky ass imagery um, that only um, Francesco can do his his version of like ghoulish activities and things like that can turn even the most mundane basic scenarios oh. Yeah, into just absolutely terrifyingly creepy images. And he's so good at it. I really, really, really love Night of the Ghoul. Um, I guess if I had to be annoyed with something, because it's a review show, so I apparently have to find something wrong with things, I'm disappointed that it was a digital first comic, because I wanted it to be like a comic book comic. But that is literally on me. That has nothing to do with the book whatsoever. Mm -hmm. 
But again, there is just some really grotesque, horrible imagery, and it's just fantastic for spooky time events. Uh, there's also some really screwed up um, parts of the movie that we get to see. We get to see a little bit more inside, and then here's this one image I wanted to show Elf. Great book, fantastic story, um, just really good. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Speaking of books that take a long time to get going, but are definitely worth it, Little Monsters, issue seven. In issue seven, we are finally starting the story. Okay. So we just basically been seeing them live their lives. Right. The, the normal day-to-day, -day, this is, you're really getting an idea of what they've what they go through, yeah. So it's a group of child vampires who have been, what we found out in another issue, they've been around for I think like 400 years living in this one city, um, not really doing much of anything, eating rats, being you know immortal, sleeping during the sun time. And then one of the vampire kids finds a human, eats him, and all the other vampire kids are now, they have bloodlust and they want it. They want to go after these humans really bad. What we get to find out more about is the silent vampire, um, Romy, and they are um, sort of the de facto leader, or what we thought was the de facto leader, had been Romy this whole time, and it's because Romy is incredibly powerful, and one of the other kid vampires kind of realizes Romy might be very, 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 very old. And in vampire lore, I don't know if you know this or not, but the older the vampire, the more powerful you become. Basically, you sort of age in reverse. The longer you exist, the more incredibly powerful you are. Uh, Romy also doesn't eat humans. It doesn't feel the need to. And we get finally get an amazing sequence with the, uh, with the vampire that made all of these baby vampires explaining to Romy that their time is over and it's going to be up to Romy to lead the, the, the vampire kin and that these are the only vampires left in all of existence. And it's, it's crucial that Romy keeps them alive because their species needs to endure. We end the ep we end this issue by finally going to the resting place of the original ones or the original one. And the as you can see on the cover, we have sort of a civil war here. One half is split with the other half. Uh, one half has this crazy bloodlust, and the other half are trying to help humanity, whatever's left of them, and realize that we don't want to eat them because even if we did. There would be no more of them. And I think that's what we're going to find out is that, like, if you look at the cover, it kind of looks like the scales of balance as well. Mm -hmm. But I think the vampires in this universe may have eaten humans to near extinction and realized that they're, like, they all needed to go away. I'm not really sure yet. We just started the, like, arc of the story. We don't really know what the story is even now. I do love the backstory of Romy, though. They are an amazing little character. And it reminds me a lot of some of the early seasons of True Blood, uh, where we meet Eric the Vampire's uh, maker, and he's like a really young guy. He's only like 20, and but he's been around for 2,000 years, and um, just kind of tired of being around. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I love Little Vampires. I think it's one of the best books out there. I think when somebody options it and it becomes a TV series, people are going to go absolutely bonkers for this. It is ripe for the picking. Oh, we here at the Read Pile have four pillars of the Read Pile, and 
those pillars include the Mayor of Halloween Town, Columbine, who has now returned to his slumber after Halloween. The Clock King, Tom King. Everyone Dies Taylor, Tom Taylor. And of course, the OG Gail Simone. On my repile this week is Tom King's Gotham City Year One Part Two. Uh, as we mentioned with Tom King, it's always about time with him, and this is no different. But we're getting a much different version of Gotham. So in this book, the first issue was very literally the Lindbergh baby, and we continue with that storyline. So if you don't know the story of the Lindbergh baby, uh, the Lindberghs were the most famous people in the world. Their child was stolen out of their window in the middle of the night. There was a ladder that was pushed up against the window. Somehow the baby was stolen, and then there was a... Uh, there was a, um, what do you call that, a ransom note, but it was written very poorly, so the people were like, this guy doesn't know how to read or write. They never, they never found the Lindbergh baby, and then I think years later we found out it was like an inside job, as it always is. Anyway, this is Lindbergh baby, but in Gotham. And we start with this really crazy um, uh, sort of interrogation, where Slam Bradley, who is the guy that we're following, the guy who's regaling the story to Batman, that's not a spoiler, that's how issue one ends, is being interrogated by the police. And in this case, um, this specific commissioner is... Uh, I forget the name of it. it. It's the commissioner before Gordon. Uh, it's actually the commissioner before the commissioner before Gordon. Oh, that would have really been cool. Yeah, so... But this takes place at the very beginning, you know, the very beginnings of all this. What's funny about this is the young woman who originally gave Slam the note that sort of forced him to be part of this storyline appears to start being very familiar to us. Uh, and the second time we see her, she has a very sort of reminiscent imagery to her, something that just looks very familiar. Yeah. And, and we get more of the story. The, the second issue moves really well. Uh, the first issue was a little slow for my pace, honestly. But issue two moves incredibly quickly uh, and is just more very great dialogue that Tom King always gives us. What we find out here is that the kidnappers are ready to give back the baby. They want $100,000 in unmarked bills. He signs his name again with a bat symbol, and they refer to him, of course, as the Batman, which uh, is still funny to me. I still love that. Um, they go to the rooftop to exchange the money. Uh, Slam brings the money to the young woman. The young woman hands Slam another note. He initially rejects it, realizing that there's no point in paying $100,000 for a note if the baby isn't there. But um, this particular Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's grandfather, or maybe great-grandfather, um, is, by the way, notably racist. Notably racist. Uh, and uh, not a good man, but... He demands that uh, Slam give the money to this young woman in exchange for the letter to find out what's going on. And then the young woman takes this money and walks off the building and just walks straight off of it. But it's okay because she lands on her feet across the other way like a cat. Really tremendous universe building happening in this series. And again, it's Tom King. If you don't like Tom King's work, you're wrong. You just have to give it time. That's why he is the clock king. He is going to tell you an incredible story. It's going to come up to pass. You're going to love it. Gotham City Year One, Issue Two. Phil Hester's art, of course, absolutely fantastic. We love Jordi Belair uh, and Eric uh, Gapster. Very good stuff. And I'm very interested to see one other. By the way, one other real thing, real quick. 
you notice the image on the top of this Wayne uh, uh, tombstone? What is that? It's an owl. And what's interesting about owls in Gotham? The Court of Owls. The Court of Owls. Uh, so yeah, so uh, that's where, so that he goes to see their grave and there's an owl on the top of the grave, so yeah. Mm. So hinting at that. Hinting at the Court of Owls. Hints. I'm starting. Well, that's the idea, like, yeah. the Court of Owls. The Court of Owls have always, always been around, always. right, right. They so built the city. <laughs> they did, they did. So I'm very interested to see, like, how this all plays out. Of course, this is a story being told to Bruce by Slam. Let's jump around a little bit and go with Harley Quinn. This is Harley Quinn issue 23, guest starring Robin. Um, Harley is absolutely dead. Just kidding, she's back, but she was absolutely dead. And as my, you know, crit- just reconfirming this. Yeah. Well, as was my criticism of issue 22, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Harley was totally dead. And in this issue, Kevin, you know, is our, basically we are Kevin in this story. Like, we get to watch the story through Kevin's eyes. His thoughts. Yeah. And- well, not even his thoughts. We're just seeing his reactions. And he is the reader. Because when okay. we, we meet Harley in this issue, she has told people that, yeah, I got resurrected. You know, whatevs. Um, and this now has created a cult of the the quintessentials, I think they're called. Hang on. Yeah, the quinta, quintessentials, which Steph Phillips, this is the second time, uh, like, there was the, oh, what was the name of the uh, the villain group? Like, the, the it was like the, the, instead of the League of Doom, they were like the Menagerie of Destruction or something like that. I forget the name, but I loved that. But, but Steph Phillips calling them the quintessentials. It's a group of Harleys. It's a group of Har. It's a. It's literally a cult. They are literally a cult of Harley Quinns. Because I remember reading a story. The back Gang of Harleys. Time. Yeah. This is this is not that. Oh, okay. They are they are they worship Harley as though she is a god because she is resurrected. But they're not living again in her her, her house. No no no. Well they're they're all on her Birds. boat right now. But remember oh, okay. Harley commandeered this boat. So when Kevin shows up and he sees this this cult, he's like, "What the fuck are you doing, Harley? You're supposed to be laying low." You died. You died in my arms. Do you have any idea what that's like? I was so helpless. And I, I literally went to the ends of the earth to resurrect you. And now you're just, you're putting yourself out there and you're going to get yourself killed again. And then what was this even worth? When Kevin goes on that rant against Harley, everything, all of my criticisms of the last issue are completely washed away. Because we are getting that, that what the fuck is wrong with you moment from her best friend saying to her, this is not normal. This is not something you can just laugh off. While this is all going on, Damien shows up and is like, nah, uh-uh, uh-uh, Quinn. You were in the Lazarus pit. Something's wrong with you now. Nothing good ever comes out of the Lazarus pit. You gotta trust me on this. Have you <laughs> met Jason Todd? He's fucked up. And Harley's like, I'm fine. I'm. It's like that one audio. I'm absolutely fine. There's nothing to it. <laughs> And so we're finally getting to the point where Harley is like, okay, you know, I want... So Damien and her, they have, of course, the... the they have to... When two superheroes see each other, they immediately have to fight. Yeah. Of I course. Mean, it's the it, way of things. There can only be so much ego. Yes. <laughs> so Harley kind of bests Damien, and I'll be honest, not a fan, but it's fine. I, Harley is supposed to be a ridiculous badass. Mm-hmm. I am more a Damien stan when it comes to the hand-to-hand combat, but whatever. Um, but Harley is making him some coffee because he 
she threw him into the ocean and he got all soaking wet. So See, fu- she's nice. Yeah, well, she's she's very very motherly. So Damien finally takes a cup of coffee and says, "Okay, so how did it happen?" And that's and the story finally starts getting like very heavy. And Harley says, "I was shot. I don't know by who. They were wearing a hood." And then Damien's like, "Well, it could have been pretty much anybody. Like he's pissed off the entire Gotham underworld." And now we're finally, like, moving and shaking. And we get to see something that we don't normally see from Harley. Rage. She She's finally, like, she stopped laughing. She was killed. Kevin confronted her about it, explained to her that this is no laughing matter. Damien even shows up and is, like, sympathetic towards her. And I think that was what finally set her off, was Damien is so worried. Like, Damien is worried about her. Yeah, because... I think sometimes when people go through things like that, even somebody that's so close to them, like Kevin, yeah. you know, he probably just sees it as more of a, oh, you're just being overpowering, like over sympathetic. You're just, you're just, you're just trying to be too overprotective, right? Because of our our attachment, and so you're. It's not that she's trying to throw that person's feelings away or ignore what they're saying. It's more like. I'll be fine, you know, it's, it's cool, cool, you know, I'm back on my feet. But then it comes at you from a different direction, from somebody you don't expect. Yeah. And then well, you're like, okay. <laughs> da- Damien, by, by, by asking that question, by pointing out to her, you know, like, so you were dead, though. It's forcing her to address she that. She had to agree right. or disagree. Right. When, when it comes to Kevin, Kevin is safe. Kevin's her best friend. They live together. They're very close. They're like, they're like family. She also doesn't want to hurt him anymore. Right. She, part of her is trying to protect him, you know. Right. Like, look, no, it's okay. I'm back. Let's move on with me. Let's just, let's forget we're, that we're, I was we're dead. fine. Yeah. It's good, you know. And it, it can make it hard for her to say thank you because if she does, she has to. She's trying to protect him from protecting her. Happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she's trying to just move on. As best she can, you know. No mention of it. Let's just yeah. keep going. A very Harley esque thing to just shove all that but emotion then she down. Has another stop sign right. by <laughs> Damien. So you know, you I, can only take so many stop signs, and then you're gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> if we could remove the whole Dark Crisis saga from this Harley Quinn series, mm-hmm. that it's, whole it's heavy enough. It's well, the Dark Crisis stuff was so bad. Like I hated it. But the entire storyline, the overarching storyline of watching Harley not just heal, but become broken again, and then re-heal and become broken. Watching her just continue to evolve. And her costume keeps updating, by the way, every time she has sort of one of these little breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. Like, right now, her costume's all torn up and everything, and you can see she's in need of a new wardrobe. And you can sort of see her, like, molting again. Steph Phillips has been doing a dynamite job. I hated, I hated that Dark Crisis run, because it felt so... I don't know. It was too much. It was just too much. Weeklies are really hard on me. But now that we're back into the very heavy psychological stuff, I adore it once again. Back back to the top of the pile. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. And finally, to finish up with a Batman trifecta. Actually, I guess there's one more, but whatever. Batman trifecta. Uh, we have Batman proper, of course. This is Chip Sardarsky and Phil Jimenez. Let me, let me just uh, that's what the cover is of on cool. all the DC. Look, look, it's two different Black Adams. Hang on, hang on, hang on. 
Oh, there we go. Okay, there, we go. there we go. There we go. There we go. Here's another one. Ah, oh, that's oh, that, that one. That one. All right. Here's this one. Here's this one. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So okay, we have so one variant. That one different? We have one variant black Adam. No, it's the regular cover. Oh. No, none of this matters. Black Adam is a perfectly serviceable movie. Six out of ten. Actually, it's probably closer to seven out of ten because Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate is just just all forgot to play that. Hawkman's actually really cool in this version of Hawkman. Hawkman's kind of like kind of like Iron Man in this version. He's like super rich and he's got like the the M Anyway, and then and then Adam Smasher is adorable, and Henry Winkler is makes a like a cameo. Anyway. So if yeah. you won the lottery yeah. and you were like superhero, superhero. Yeah. 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 No, it's far you? easier to be a villain. Look what happened to Twitter. Mm. Anyway, Batman number one twenty nine. This is uh, what I appear, what I assume is the penultimate issue of this particular storyline called Failsafe by Chip Zdarsky. Um, this, of course, having to do with uh, this bat robot that was created. Okay. It's an homage cover. I, at a glance from this angle, it almost looks like this was supposed to be like a house. Because <laughs> I've been looking at too many like horror movies covers. So I'm like, yeah. Okay. Do you see, do you see the, the bat symbol under here, though? Oh, no, I do. Okay. Yes. Okay. <sighs> okay. So, Failsafe has taken over Gotham. Uh, Failsafe has created so many failsafes mm-hmm. that they, the, this robot is essentially unstoppable. Uh, the Justice League, uh, there's at one point like 87% of the Justice League has been repelled. Like they're trying to get into Gotham because Gotham is essentially a police state right now run by Failsafe and Failsafe's drones. The problem is is that Failsafe, for whatever reason, his, his, uh, um, his uh, programming has been corrupted. And so he's more concerned about stopping Batman than he is about stopping crime. So he sweeps through Gotham and, cha- and cleans up Gotham but then he stops bothering. So the police force is completely destroyed. There's no there's no no one left to stop crime in Gotham except for Failsafe. And Failsafe is not stopping crime. The way Batman explains it is that he lit Gotham on fire and then forgot to put the fire out. And you can sort of see there's like this scene where there's a uh, like an armed robbery happening right in front of Failsafe and Failsafe is just sort of like, eh, whatever. Huh. So yeah, he turned a blind eye to the fires. So like the uh, Blackgate Prison has been opened up. Uh, Mr. Zaz is there, like stabbing people in Crime Alley, and Failsafe's just watching all this because Failsafe's like the way he said that. I mean, that picture of him just stabbing people. I'm a guy who likes to cut myself after killing people. Stabby, stabby, stabby. What is my purpose? You stab people. Oh my god. <laughs> so Filamenes, by the way, like. Tell me that isn't perfect, as far as a bat image is concerned. Is it Phil? No, I think it's uh, uh, George Menez. I'm sorry, not Phil Menez. Pretty sure it's George. Oh, I suck at names. Just a moment. Oh, it doesn't even. Oh God, where credits page in DC Comics is so hard to find. Like. We've, I th- I'm pretty sure we've stopped the show a billion times at this point to try and find the damn credits page that tells you who drew the issue, who wrote the issue, all that other stuff. Ah! Well, you continue and I'll write this. Our, uh, no, I want to know now. No, no, now I have to know. 
It's not even here. It's not here. They have a credits page for the for the Batman of Zer and R in the back of the book, which is adorable, by the way. I appreciated that. What issue is it? Uh, this is issue uh, 129. It's got to be George Jimenez. I'm fairly confident it's George Jimenez. Oh, there it is. I found it. They're breaking in. They are breaking in. You see, you see uh, how they... That is horrible. Anyway, um, we get to see Batman finally decide that he can't just hang out in Atlantis forever, mm -hmm. and Failsafe kind of realizes that all of these um, J Justice League heroes have been attacking him, Plastic Man, and he's been repelling them. And Failsafe goes, Failsafe has, by the way, like, like plugged Oracle into like some kind of Cerebro-style head thing and is making her like watch the city for him. It is really messed up. All the other Bat Family kids are being hung upside down, so they can't, like, all the blood keeps rushing to their head, and they they can't break free. And Dick is like, don't you worry, Batman's coming, he's going to kick your ass. And Failsafe basically goes, unlikely. Um, so, like, this is all happening, and then Failsafe goes, Failsafe kind of notices that Arthur Curry has not tried to rescue Gotham yet. And that, and that he hasn't seen Batman or Arthur Curry since Batman jumped out of that plane. And Failsafe was like, oh, right, he's, he's in Atlantis. So Failsafe goes to Atlantis and immediately gets Grant, like, like defeats all of Atlantis with one move, basically, because very Batman-esque to know the one weakness of everything, right? Yeah. And this, this, is, this is such a cool retelling of Tower of Babel in a much different perspective. But it really is Tower of Babel. Failsafe knows everything that there is to know about Batman, and thus Failsafe knows that everything there's to know about defeating Batman and all of Batman's friends. And we get a really broken-hearted reason as to why all this is happening. Batman created Failsafe while he was in the middle of being Batman Zurinar. So only Batman Zurinar knew that Failsafe was being created, except that even Batman Zurinar did it subconsciously. So when Batman became Batman Zurinar, Batman Zurinar subconsciously created Failsafe as a final lever. Wow. Like a dream within a dream. <laughs> it's a simulation inside of a simulation. So Failsafe never did anything because one person knew about Failsafe's existence and knew to reset the, the directive every time the countdown started. Guess who that person was? Mm. So we get this one moment where Bruce basically realizes, you know, again, just how much Alfred meant to not just him, but to the whole family. He was literally the glue that kept everything together, including making sure that this monstrosity, plus God knows what else Bruce has laying around, that Bruce doesn't even know about, because Bruce has had to create a contingency plan for a contingency plan for a contingency, and all this other horse shit. But you get this one extra moment that's just even more gut-wrenching, and it's just like, God damn Really great issue, really cool battle sequence at the end. Excited to see how this all plays out. I, I can't wait to see how Batman finally shuts down um, uh, Failsafe, because I got a feeling he's going to win. I call him crazy, and I hope that this isn't the end of Chip Zdarsky's run. I would love to see more Chip Zdarsky Batman. He's doing an amazing job. Almost my pick of the week, but not quite. Jason Aaron's Punisher. This is uh, Punisher issue 7, a couple of issue 7s for me this week. And um, this is, first of all, we get a really great uh, sequence where Daredevil is um, 
Daredevil meets up with uh, with Frank at, at the Hands headquarters, and he's like, Frank, what are you doing? Uh, I was infected with the Beast once. Y'all remember Shadowlands? That's a deep cut reference to those who've read all those comics. And so he's like, you don't want to be infected with the Beast, bro. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something. The backstory, of course, continues with the different art. So we've got what's happening in modern times and what's happening in the backstory. And the backstory in this case is from the perspective of uh, Maria. Maria is talking to a priest about how Frank has like moved out into the tent in the front yard and he refuses to stay inside the house. Uh, at one point she had to go away for a couple of days to the hospital and she couldn't find Frank or the kids, but that's because the kids were huddled with their dad outside in his tent. And that's when Maria realized that Frank would do literally whatever it takes keep his family safe Frank's guard Frank all of Frank's guards come down and Maria even convinces him that he should go see the priest and talk to the priest meanwhile Daredevil is explaining to Frank that he's possessed and that Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Strange gave him a way to end the possession and Daredevil tries to perform an exorcism on Frank mm -hmm. which was really great because Frank's like yeah that was pointless I'm not like I'm not possessed I'm excited, but I'm, I'm fine with what I am. And so Frank goes, in the past, Frank went to the priest and told him all the sins, and the priest came running out of the confessional and refused to look at Frank ever again. And you sort of get to see what Frank sees wherever he goes. So Daredevil and Frank fight a little bit more. Frank gets the best of him, explains to Daredevil, I'm not possessed, I'm fine with this, and... We get to see that Punisher is no longer just a man. Mm. He is he has become the fist of the beast. He is completely imbued with the beast's powers. He doesn't appear to be corrupted, but not nothing good is happening here. No. And then we get an incredible final couple of panels where um, we get back into our regular story where Ares is like, oh no, man, we're coming for you. And I love the way Ares is drawn in this book, by the way. I just I think he looks so damn cool. And, you know, he, he's literally, like, what, nine feet tall, I guess, by comparison. He's so much bigger than everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's going to lead to an all-out war where Ares' army is going to destroy the hand. I'm very excited by this issue. Great, great issue. Jason Aaron absolutely killing it once again with Punisher. Not my pick of the week, though. Mm. What is your pick of the week? Like you fucking had to guess. We here at the Reed Pile have four particular pillars of the Reed Pile. And they are, of course, uh, Mayor of Halloween Town, Colin Bunn, the Clock King, Tom King, Everyone Dies, Tom Taylor, and the OG Gail Simone. On my read pile this week, and my pick of the week, is Tom Taylor's Dark Knights of Steel, issue 8. <sighs> Everybody dies. Everybody dies. So, not only is this a great issue, but we get to see a lot more of the Green Lantern Lex Luthor Joker the single greatest amalgam of characters of all time, the Green Man. We get to see more of him. Um, he and the Ring are trying to figure out a way to overthrow the Elves. We get this really adorable sequence where um, imprisoned Green Arrow frees imprisoned uh, um, uh, Dinah. Um, uh, what, what's her name? Black Canary. Mm -hmm. um, and then they you can already begin, like, their instant love affair is almost, you know... Very obvious. I mean, Green Arrow, Green Arrow, and Black to be. Green, Arrow, Green Arrow, and Black Canary have to be together. So there's that. Um, we get a sequence where Harley, uh, the Harley Quinn, is trying to explain 
to the Queen of Storms and Hippolyta, the, the Queen of the Amazons. You guys don't want to go to war. The only people who, you know, the only people who die in war are the, the subjugates anyway. This is pointless. And uh, General Waller is there, and she's like, you guys don't want this. Trust me, you don't want this. Constantine shows up, and we finally get the revelation of what Constantine's big surprise is. It's actually very interesting. No spoilers for that. Um, we finally get to see that um, Harley and Poison Ivy in this universe are also going to be together, as we kind of expected to. Maybe just not now, but perhaps somewhere down the line. Uh, we get to see that, for whatever reason... The Green Man defeats um, uh, uh, Poison Ivy to allow Hippolyta's army to get through because he needs the elves defeated. We still don't know why. And then probably my favorite micro cameo of all time happens. Um, Waller is commanding her forces and telling her archers, don't fire until they're in range. And a guy who is dressed as Deadshot but has an eye patch like Deathstroke looks over at her and says, they're already in range for me, Waller, to which she says, wait for my command, wait. This is so cool. Because in this universe, we know that there are many amalgamed versions of the characters, of course, as we mentioned. Green Lantern, Joker, Lex Luthor, for instance. So this character, I'm going to show them off real quick. This character is clearly Deathstroke and Deadshot. Um, and, uh, oh, why can't I think of his name? Um, um, Lawton. So we, no, not Lawton. Is it Lawton? Damn it. Death, I should know Deathstroke, uh, Deadshot's real name. But Deathstroke's real name is Slade Wilson. So her calling him Wade is a play on the fact that in Marvel Comics, they have Wade Wilson, who was a direct ripoff of Deathstroke. So here we see Deadshot Deathstroke. I guess you could call him, I don't know, Deathpool or Deadpool or perhaps Poolshot. Who knows? And his name is Wade. And I thought that was incredible. Like a one-off, one line. We're probably never going to see that character again just to let us know that he exists. Thank you for that, Tom Taylor. Marvelous. Marvelous. Finally, we get back into the action, everything that happens. Um... And then the ending. And then the end. And then the end. Is it the end end? No, no, no. Oh, that's okay. only issue eight or twelve. I was say. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, that, yeah. that is that is the opening volley for okay. sure. That is that is the that is going there, to be. There, there is an end here. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. So this entire time we've been trying to figure out whether or not the elves are actually good people or not. Like, uh, why is uh, Zala? Why is she waging war against the? Um, kingdom of the of the um, kingdom of the lightning, kingdom of storms. Sorry, kingdom of storms. Why is Superman attacking so many people? Like, why is Kal El looking to be like? Why are they evil? Why do they appear to be evil? And then we're also getting hints that maybe they aren't. Maybe they're being impersonated by someone. But in this issue, we get definitive. Nah, this is what's up. And every and through every issue, it's always been like you can't fight the elves. They're fucking otherworldly monsters. They they don't have any, like, weaknesses that we know of outside of the Green Man, and he's nowhere to be found. So, like, you can't fight him. And they're saying, no, 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 the elves are reasonable people. They will come with us. There won't be any bloodshed. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's war. It, it happens. Oof. It was
was it, 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 jaw-dropping. I was not reading it, but you showed me some yes. of the images of things that happened in this issue, and it's... It is a jaw-dropping last, <laughs> last panel. Jaw-dropping. <laughs> like, I literally gasped. I'm like, oh my god! No coming back from that. No! no and that's the other thing. Like, sometimes in comic books, there are, like, well, are they really dead moments and things yeah. like that? Other times in comic books, people are bisected. In front of you. Mm. It's kind of the end of that. So, that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of The Read Pile. My pick of the week, of course, is DC Dark Knights of Steel, issue 8 of 12. And Elle's pick of the week is Golden Rage, issue 4. Thank you so much for stopping in and joining us on our new home here on Instagram. We will be back next week with more comic book reviews, more fun things, and then in a couple of weeks we're going to be updating our big wall back here, putting Chromium cover books behind us, much to Elle's personal chagrin. Okay, maybe not. At any rate, we'll be updating the back wall behind us. But before we do that, I can guarantee you that AJ Schumacher is still going to be up there. Our Space Bastard friends are going to be up there. We're just going to be adding more stuff to it because it's getting a little barren since the cats tore down my Glurkin bow coaster. That's what happened. That's really what happened. So thank you, AJ Schumacher, Eric Palicki, our sister show, The Indie Cast. Make sure to check them out at the WNRN. That's the WNRN. Uh, Mad Cave Comics, Bountiful Garden, Hidden Heroes. Thank you guys so much for watching. We will be back next week with more comic book reviews, probably the same shirts. And until then, say goodbye, y'all. Bye, y'all. All right, now, how do I end this? I hit the X. Yeah? Oh, okay. All right, there we go. End now. Yes.